Welcome back, everyone. This is the final episode of our AFCON 2023 coverage. I don't know about you, but I've certainly enjoyed every second of this wonderful tournament in our Ivory Coast, and it was drama from match day one all the way to the final, and the hosts, the Côte d'Ivoire, getting a 2-1 win over Nigeria with a very popular goal scorer in Sebastian Allaire. Laz, you're alongside me, and very shortly we're going to be joined by Jideche Chidieze and Omar Lachine, our two guests from the big preview that went out a month ago, and there's so much to go into, but it's been a fun tournament and a fun way to end it. Very true there, Nathan. Hello again, and hello to all the Backpack listeners, and what a crazy month of football encapsulated by and best reflected by the final and the team that won the final in Ivory Coast who were gone for all purposes, you know, all intents and purposes, they were done. And, you know, to come back from where they've come back from and to take out this tournament and be the host nation as well. But for Halaire to score the winner as well after his journey, my Lord, there's a movie in this whole tournament. They're I'm really, it's a Hollywood, a <laughs> it's a Hollywood script. <laughs> It's absolutely bananas. It really is. It's It's been one heck of a ride, one heck of a tournament. And yeah, it's just crazy, crazy how this tournament has panned out, similar to the Asian Cup as well. But AFCON, my Lord, another level, absolutely another level with regards to the storylines and the craziness around it. Um, funnily enough, the AFC Asian Cup had more goals per game. <laughs> right? You wouldn't feel like so. it. You wouldn't think so, right? <laughs> It had a higher goal average per game, but just uh, uh, incredible tournaments, both of them. But this story with Ivory Coast, just remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Yeah, I think it goes into the Hall of Fame for sports stories in, in anything. I, they'll be making movies of this for years and years to come. I can't wait should. to see I can't wait to see the, uh, the documentary or whatever they make mm. from it. I'll be very disappointed if they don't make anything of this because there's just it doesn't get better if you're looking for a, a script. If you're looking for something to draw inspiration from, it's incredible. And uh, yeah, I just can't believe the tournament we've had. It's been absolutely wonderful. And I miss it already, Les. I miss it already. <laughs> Understandable, Nathan. Understandable. Uh, should we go over what uh, occurred in the final with Nigeria going up 1-0 and then you know, with William Trostokong scoring... A wonderful header, and then Frank Kessie in the 62nd minute equalizing, and then Alain with the winner, you know, in the and 81st what a finish minute. Too. And what a finish! Well, clever finish, absolutely yeah. clever finish. I know. can't say I've seen a, a volley score with that part of the foot before. That was great, in that well, just, just instinct, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, a goal poacher's presence is just incredible, mm. you know, very much so. And but, he almost scored a spectacular over, yeah, he did not long <laughs> that, before. That would have been a great effort. <laughs> <laughs> the fact is, is that Cote d'Ivoire were the best team as well on the in the final. Nigeria's that was Nigeria's worst performance. We'd be praising Nigeria throughout the tournament, saying they were very professional-like, but mm. they saved their um, worst performance for the final. Unfortunately, that they did, that they did, and they'll see it, and we'll get into it with Chidechi, But it'll be a uh, an opportunity lost for Nigeria. Indeed, yeah, indeed, but full credit to both nations, but full credit to Cote d'Ivoire in particular, and congratulations. What a story. Just, you know, it, it will make some great reading one day or a great, you know, documentary series or, or or a movie. It's just an incredible script. So absolutely insane. But well done to Cote d'Ivoire as well with regards to hosting the tournament because it, it 
you know, it presented very well to the outside world. And, you know, again, takes two teams to make a final and Nigeria definitely added to the colour of this tournament for sure. Yeah, very much so. And you say as well with the hosts and the hosting of this tournament, I think the facilities on TV have been absolutely fantastic. And the crowds, particularly for, well, for all the games, have been really good. And it looks as though this is really a tournament to remember for so many people. So joining us on our AFCON back peg review recap for the craziness of AFCON 23 is Jadechi Chidezi from Nigeria and our friend Omar Lachine from Egypt, who we've had on previously in our preview series. And gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you guys for having us. So is AFCON the craziest confederation? Do I want to start or I start? Jadechi, you can start. <laughs> I mean, I mean, as an African, I would tell you one thing for certain. I am elated. I'm super excited that this AFCON panned out the way it was. Um, did I expect it to? Not really. Um, it, it's just like the FIFA World Cup that was hosted by Qatar. We went into that one with lots and lots of controversies, a lot of people talking about how the World Cup should have been held in Qatar and this and that. And went in, and at the end of the tournament, a lot of people forgot what they were talking about. Um, the Qatar World Cup um, at the beginning of the tournament, and it, it's almost similar. One of the things we get to see with the Afcon is the likes of uh, conversations that spine that um, that revolve around should Liverpool release a Salah? Should um, Napoli? I mean, Napoli. We've literally had the issue with Nigeria. Literally had the issue with Napoli um, at the start of the 2021 Afcon, where they did not want to release. Um, Victor Simet. These are the kind of conversations you hear. Clubs not wanting to release their players. Andrew and Nana had to come join the tournament after it had started. But somehow, I mean, after this AFCON, I am very sure the conversation would kind of change a little. Players will be willing to go join their national teams and people will be looking forward to the AFCON. I mean, literally, the Champions League is, is by the corner. Not many people are talking about it. It's, uh, as an African, I would say this makes me really excited. The fact that the African Cup of Nations is now that tournament you can say really matches um, to the level of every other top competitions around the world. And uh, it, people don't, people at this point will not now just see it as just one competition by the side and um, that is disrupting the big leagues. People get to see it for what it is an international competition, a continental football competition that should be accorded the level of respect. Uh, and Omar, it's just been a crazy tournament, hasn't it? It's something that we might have seen in a Hollywood movie. It's just the level of drama in some of the games and just the story of the hosts themselves. Do you remember an African Cup of Nations in the past having this much narrative surrounding it? I think following on from what Jidichi said, um, there are two different perspectives to the tournament. It's us Africans having the perspective of this is our tournament and People who are outside Africa um, thinking, no, guys, we don't want to, we don't want to leave our players. We don't. Uh, uh, this is a side tournament to what's going on into our daily uh, daily uh, routine, our league games, our cup games. There are so many games going on throughout this uh, couple of months outside of Afcon, and I I have no idea what happened in the past month uh, in the European leagues. But in people who are in in, in Africa understand that. As I've said before, 
the 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 competitive landscape has has grew so much. All the teams are close together in terms of uh, of of, uh, of quality. You see the smaller smaller nations like uh, Cape Verde. Cape Verde are five hundred thousand people. In this area alone in Egypt, we have more than a million people. So you can you can you can compare and see how much even the smaller nations uh, have a football plan, have a football project, have grew so much, and have players playing all around the world with quality, with uh, uh, with uh, the belief of of winning. You don't see teams defending deep and then uh, and then uh, waiting on counter attacks. You only see teams going for a possession, going for the ball, trying to attack. And uh, and when you have two teams going at it head to head in every single game, you can uh, you can only uh, um, you can only guess uh, guess what's coming. Uh, I think Ivory Coast uh, encapsulated the the surprise of the tournament. They uh, three points and minus three goal difference, if I remember correctly, winning to winning the tournament. But to be honest, I don't remember a tournament with that much quality. With that much uh, excitement, um, and I think bit by bit, Afcon's only going to be uh, uh, growing and and improving in terms of quality. And it's time for people who are outside Africa to see it with the same eyes that we see it and understand that okay, you have Euros, you have the Copa America, you have that, you have that, you have that. But we have Afcon, and we deserve uh, we deserve your respect and to leave the players without any without any issues because. As Judechi said, the Napoli have a problem with Nigeria. Egypt has a problem with uh, with uh, Liverpool. And to be honest, I think all, a lot of federations have uh, have problems with uh, with the, the clubs of their top teams. So uh, let's move on from that and uh, and give Afcon the, the respect it deserves because it was an amazing tournament. You're right there, Omar. It was an amazing tournament. But I'm going to ask a what might be a controversial question of both of you. Right? <laughs> Should Afcon be played every four years as opposed to every two years to actually give it that kind of more, you know, to make it rarer or more significant like the other confederations. Hmm. Can each of you take a turn in answering that one? Yeah. Okay. Let me, let me see if I start off here. Um, To be very honest, I kind of, I don't know. I'm not really, I wouldn't say I really have where I fall on this Mm -hmm. uh, conversation. I really do not mind two years because more like it's something I'm already used to. Let me put it that way. Sure. Not because um, it has to be two years, but because of the fact I'm already used to uh, the two years. Four years, to be honest, makes it even more of a beauty. But um, I think one of the things we begin to say, we've seen the Afghan for is the fact that it gives it gives um, the national teams an opportunity to win it. Um, we don't want to have to wait for like a hundred years before maybe Quebec gets their hand on the title. Come on, let's give them a chance. Let them get an opportunity to at least get a title, get that kind of thing. Um, so I think it's one of the things that make uh, the two years tournament pretty okay. The fact that as much as it might be a little bit disrupting for uh, the way you you want to say the champions of Africa. Like, I mean, right now, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivorians are the champions of Africa, but that's just going to last for about a year. Like, because next yeah. AFCON is basically like next year, yeah, a couple of months. Yeah, you want to see, let them, let them be champions of Africa for a while before the next one comes around. But I think one of the things this type of um, spacing does is it gives, it gives people the opportunity to, it gives mm. people the opportunity to identify as um, part of something. It's just like when you think about the World Cup, 
four years a beautiful spacing, but you know you don't get it. You're it's 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 like oh shit, here we go again. Like you really have to. <laughs> why am I qualifying for the World Cup when I know I'm going to do everything and if Brazil is just there waiting to knock me out or an Argentina is waiting to tear my hair out? But when you know it's a two-year tournament, at least it gives you a sense of okay. I did do well this time around. I can try again. I can go again. Perhaps see how it goes in two years' time. I think that's what makes um, two years and four years a little bit different in terms of um, I'm competing. The fact that it gives the competing teams a sense of it. It's just like, think of the Champions League. Think mm. of the Champions League. You don't win it this year. Rather than you sit around and you're paying, oh, oh my God, Arsenal couldn't get it. Or, okay, let's not, let's not, that's, that's, that's not big there. <laughs> uh, maybe you say like a, a uh, let's say Manchester United or a Chelsea couldn't get it this year. You're like, hmm, maybe we can try again next year. You get that kind of thing. Rather than you're going to have to wait for like another three, four, five years for a Man City to try again after all the hard work, after all the buys, you really. So I think that's 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 the difference between a spacing of a two-year tournament and a four-year tournament. The four-year tournament gives. All the competing teams, a sense of belonging. At least if you don't do it this time around, you can go again next time. Um, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> to be honest with me, it's pretty simple. Uh, national team football is everything for me. I put it uh, beyond uh, club football every day of the week. I love it. When when the tournaments start, everything else stops and your, your focus is on uh, uh, Egyptian games. Even if it uh, kills you, it uh, it's it's uh, it's something you it's the shot you need every every couple of years. But I think if you're speaking to a lot of African nations like Nigeria who play in the World Cup almost every time, they have the sense okay, then we're competing in a tournament every couple of years because we're doing it in the World Cup, for example, in 2022, and then we're playing a tournament in 24. Egypt don't play in the World Cup that often. So the only time we actually see Egypt playing in a tournament is the African Cup of Nations. And we, most of the time, we do well. So it's the time that the country uh, country uh, stops and then uh, it's, it's a one-team thing, it's a uh, one-group thing. And, uh, and, and, and we watch actual national team games that make, that, uh, that are interesting and exciting, that are... Um, like directed towards something uh, other than qualifying and friendly games no one gives no one gives a shit about these to be honest but uh, after, tournament games are all, are almost the, always the most uh, interesting games if you can guarantee Egypt playing the world cup every uh, every uh, four years which is uh, a big uh, guarantee I, I don't think you can do that maybe with the ex- extended tournament with more more That's teams a, you can yeah, uh, uh, yeah we can you can you can give them more of a of a chance, but to be honest, with the with the way Egyptian football is going now, in relation to other uh, other uh, nations, big or small, uh, you can't you still can't guarantee that. So um, so for us, African Cup of Nations is is everything. But if we um, if we are able to uh, to to guarantee World Cup football every four years, then uh, having a World Cup every four years and now. Uh, and uh, an African Cup of Nations in the alternating years, then uh, then I'm more than happy with that. But uh, for now, uh, we can't guarantee that. Yeah, I mean, speaking from my point of view, I'm very much looking forward to the next African Cup of Nations when it rolls around not too far away because this tournament has set a very high bar in terms of the amount of things that has really taken your breath away with 
uh, what we've seen on the pitch as well as off it. There's been so many moments that uh, make you go, wow, what a tournament this has uh, panned out to be. And I think, guys, we can talk about some of the teams and some of the countries. Uh, we won't go through every single one of them because there's just too many and too many stories. But which teams, let's start on the positive note, which teams have really taken you by surprise? Um, Omar, we'll start with you this time around. Uh, what teams have really shocked you? Uh, it's a team that uh, I've seen closely. Obviously, I haven't seen all the um, all games. I've seen most games. I've seen a lot of highlights. But the team I've seen closely because they were with us in the group, group is Cape Verde. I just uh, alluded to them uh, a few minutes ago. They're at, at a country of 500,000 people and they play as if they have a pool of uh, millions of uh, people of, uh, of, of top quality. The way they played against uh, Ghana, the way they played against us, and the way they played against um, who, who did we have in the in the group? I think it was Mozambique, uh, yeah. Mozambique, yes, sorry. yes, yes. Uh, yeah, they're 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 top. They they they, they control they control possession uh, as if they've been uh, schooled uh, to play possession football uh, like uh, uh, like uh, Barcelona. They have uh, they have players at the top of the pitch who who can who can finish chances. They um, they play with the calmness and the control that uh, of, of of a team of, of big experience. So um, we played against them with our seven trophies in the bag. We had they have zero trophies in the bag. They have five hundred thousand people. We have a uh, hundred million people, and they were the, they they changed seven players, and they were the, the we were the the underdogs at the. In, in the game, and it's like they can uh, they can turn it on and off. When we scored, they scored again. So um, it's fascinating to see, and and it's uh, I think it's a big example of if with the right scouting and the right uh, and the right preparation. I think they've prepared for this tournament for the past like 10, 12 years. They have a proper football project. They have players who who are. Who like live in Portugal and live in, in other countries, but they they have Cape Verde origins. Like maybe I don't if, I don't know if you remember him. He played, used to play for Manchester United. Mm. He's uh, I think he has a cap for Portugal if I if I remember correctly. But uh, but yeah, they they've able to they were able to pick off these uh, uh, top players with top quality, and they've created um, uh, a top team out of it. So um, I had talked to them, and I think if they. Uh, keep going in this way then it's not too far until they uh, they reach the semi-final or the final well um, um yeah yeah okay um i mean i i think i would give it to i was thinking of particularly the smaller nations but let me give it to the what the team i would call the best performing underdog at this afcon underdog not because they are really an underdog but because uh, many people didn't really give them a chance south africa um south africa's footballers really not been to that past couple of years. And I, when they came into the Zafco and started on the defeats, it seemed like the regular South Africa um, that you would watch at tournaments. And somehow, I mean, see where they ended. They finished as the third best team at this competition. So I think it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. Also considering the fact that they had um, lots and lots of home-based um, players in their national team. So it looks like South Africa's football is really on a steady ride. We see what their women's team are also doing, and you can measure it with what the men's team have just achieved at this AFCON. And I really say I have to give it to them because I, I, I did not. If you had asked me, I would have said South Africa to perhaps get a group stage finish or maybe a round of 16 at best. And I'm um, considering the fact we would even still be playing them 
uh, in the World Cup qualifiers. It's kind of a worry for me because nobody won their rivals very well. Uh, but um, I'm really impressed with South Africa. What they brought to this tournament was not what I would have expected of them. I definitely did not have them in like my top eight finish, but see where they finished. And it, it was really an impressive tournament. Can't agree more. Just uh, from follow on from uh, what, what you said, South Africa have been a top team. They remind me of uh, the Egyptian team that won the 2006-8-10 and tournament. They're mostly made up of local uh, local players. Um, and they have sort of the same chemistry the Egyptian team had because most of them play for for Sundowns, which is like a, I put them in the top two or three teams in Africa. They won. I'm not quite sure which African Champions League they won. Um, if it wasn't the last one, it was the one before. Um, and they, they have they have top players. They play with top quality. They have a top coach in um, in the national team and in their club team as well. So um, so just adding on to to the team they have, if they add a few more quality players, I think they can also make it uh, uh, for in the next one. They have a top generation. Yeah, and, and I think it's a good preparation from them as well. Yeah, and to add to this as well, the likes of Angola and Namibia and Mauritania, teams that have really risen with this tournament. I think the story with Mauritania is fascinating, where they've come from from a decade ago being outside the top 200 on the FIFA rankings to getting out of the groups and into an AFCON knockout game. It's just an incredible story, but it's been overshadowed a little bit by everything else that's been going on at this tournament. I think the craziest thing about this tournament was the quarterfinals, as far as the quarterfinal lineup, where you had... None of the previous quarterfinal entrants from the previous edition of the of Afcon. Two years later, you come and and, and it's a completely different top eight. Yeah, I would say that that was that was that was great. Um, I don't I don't think we've seen something as such in world football uh, where a competition comes by and uh, the last eight is totally made up of a totally different lineup. Mm. Actually, shows why this Afcon is. Uh, possibly the most talked about event in world football in like the past 12 months. Um, it, it, it's the kind of things you want to see. We love to see football where uh, it gives us stories that we know you, you have to pay a lot. If it's something you really needed to pay for, imagine it was a movie, you would have to pay a lot to actually witness it happen. But in football, you get to witness this thing free of charge. And um, actually shows... Just like Omar said earlier, quality that in some of these smaller nations where they are trying to match up to uh, the, the bigger nations. I mean, I think it's one of the conversations that I manated during this AFCON. The fact that what makes AFCON special is players from smaller nations know this is the time to showcase themselves. Um, you, you don't have this opportunity at every instance. You don't get this opportunity. You're playing with some of the biggest players in um, the world, the likes of like Mohamed Salah, Victor Sime, um, and Ademola Lukman, who plays in Italy, and the list goes on and on, Sebastian Hala. These are the kind of players you're going to be competing with. It means the cameras of the world, the eyes, the eyeballs of everyone is going to be focused on them. How about you take a minute or two, 45 minutes perhaps, to steal the spotlight away from them, cast it on yourself, let people talk about you. And I think it's what makes the Afcon special because you see, um, like in South Africa, where the players are based at home, a lot of people will not readily talk about like the um, PSL and how good of a league that is. 
But when you compete on these levels, people will talk about you. And I think is what is really the mindset of many of the African base players. The fact that, you know, this is my time to compete. I also want to be recognized. If I don't do this now, when next will I get the opportunity? I mean, somebody like Anosime is going to go back to Italy um, perhaps by next week and is already um, participating in the Champions League with Napoli where everybody will be watching him. Okay, why not now we are here? Let's not talk about Osime. Talk about me, guys. Talk about me. See me. Notice me. Yeah, that kind of thing. So I think it's, it's, it's one of the things that, make it, that makes it special because um, when you get... Um, not one, not two, like 22, 25 of those kind of players in one national team setup. It becomes a team effort. And that team actually now translates to trying to knock out the bigger teams, the bigger dogs on competition. And you get things like this where you see um, a team that perhaps have never made it to the quarterfinals are really making it to the quarterfinals. Also, I don't think it's, um, uh, it was, if you look at the round of 16 games, I don't think it was complacency from the top teams. I think it's actually deserved that the teams who, who who got to the quarterfinals are the team that deserve to go. They got there through their quality. They got there with 10, 10 12 years of preparation. And it just shows that uh, if you have a project and you go for it and you 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 uh, you go to the to the like the required steps to reach where you want to go, you will eventually reach there. Obviously, there are some teams who have like top top quality individual players who can do something out of nothing, but I think this sends a message to the rest of the world of football with good preparation, with good um, uh, with good planning and a good team with some belief, then you can compete with any team in the world. And um, uh, I think we we saw this a lot in the in the World Cup in 2022. And I, I think we've seen that in the tournament. And I think we will be seeing a lot more of that in the next uh, tournaments, like with the, the Asian Cup as well, Jordan reaching the final. I don't think anyone expected that. So mm. some teams are 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 preparing in the background, and then when the the time uh, the the cameras come and the the lights come, the uh, they're ready to to compete, and they compete with the belief. So I don't think it's about uh, defending and then uh, waiting for some uh, for some luck, some set pieces. They're going there and just um, uh, putting their authority on games and trying to win it that way. So uh, I think it's uh, incredible to see, honestly. Well, let's talk about some of the the teams that uh, you guys have uh, an affiliation with. And uh, firstly, I'll say commiserations to Detsi on the final, uh, going uh, the wrong way for Nigeria this time around. But do you still make it as a good tournament for the Nigerians reaching the final? And look, you can't hold uh, too many grudges. Would I be right in saying that with Ivory Coast lifting the trophy? Um, I mean, I... Two truths can ex- coexist. I would say uh, I'm really impressed with the wrong, but I still hold grudges. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let, let, let's let's start off with let's start off with why why I think this was an impressive tournament. I mean, um, you and I, the three of us, we had this conversation at the start of the tournament, and we our focus was literally on the attack force of Nigeria. Yep. We really did not talk a lot about the defense. In fact, our conversation around um, how great of a defending team Nigeria could be was the fact that it Correct. was our biggest fear. We did not have a goal that we could really trust. And somehow, it became our saving grace at the tournament. So True. I would say, did we expect so much? Even the Federation gave uh, the national team coach, Jose Pesero, um, a semi-final target. 
and yep. go to the final. So, I mean, somebody gets the semi-final uh, checklist to fill and you give one extra. That is, that's a pass mark by my books. And I, I was really impressed by the one. It's, it was one of the best that we've had in recent years. So I, I was really impressed. In terms of the grudges, yes, I do hold grudges. Um, <laughs> we, could have, we could have won this game. There is no reason why we did not win this. We had... It's not like we were playing a team that was far better than than us. We've been literally the best team at the tournament. There was no reason why we would have played our worst possible football at the tournament in the final. Mm. We, we are better than the Ivorian. So I don't see a reason why. And I think, somehow, I think that's what I think is. I think the whole defensive thing kind of got to the team. They were trying to milk the hell out of it because, I mean, a lot of people talking about how you've been great at defending the goalkeeper has been great. And somehow you now go into the final with that mentality to go and leave that out. I think that was what went wrong. There was no reason why we couldn't have taken the game to the Ivorians. Attack them, get Osime to press as he's been mm. doing all tournaments. Attack from the wings like we've been. Like there was, there was literally no reason. Just come into the final, you sit back. To be honest, the better team won. Um, yeah. I, I I think around around eighty something minutes before the second goal came in, I was already telling myself if we lose this game, there's no reason why we should not lose because it's obviously it's obvious that we are the worst team. So and the minutes later the goal came in, I was like, yeah, that's it. It's it's officially game over. There's no how we're getting. It. So yeah, um, do I hold grudges? I definitely do hold grudges that they should have done better, but um, they did exceed that expectation. Omar. Egypt, what happened? Guys, I think if uh, if uh, I think if I start talking, I'll tr- I'll start crying. So, uh, <laughs> bear with me. I'm actually I'm actually I'm I'm, I'm not sure where to start. I'm not sure where to start. So, um, I'll start with my expectations before the tournament. Mm-hmm. I, I expected that uh, if we have uh, uh, sort of more of a balanced style of play uh, and, and and even going towards the more pragmatic and defensive style of play, we can go far. We didn't. Yeah. Uh, I expected that um, that uh, if we don't reach the past the quarterfinal stage, the coach will leave. He did. So um, I think in terms of I think these were the only uh, predictions I had before the tournament. That's uh, right. That, uh, that, yeah, that, that was that were right because the four teams I predicted to win the tournament, none of them reached the, the quarterfinals. <laughs> so I think uh, I got zero out of ten on on that. But uh, we had we had so many problems from the beginning. We started the game and the Mozambique game scoring in the second minute, so it was like, okay, let's go. Uh, what what the start of the tournament? It reminds me of uh, I don't think I'm not sure if you remember the the World Cup in 2010 when uh, England uh, uh, were playing against the US mm-hmm. and Jared scored the goal in the fourth minute, and they were like, yep. okay, let's go. And then uh, uh, a few minutes later, Dempsey uh, scored the the, the green uh, the the green mistake. But let's uh, talk about uh, uh, Egypt. We were winning one 0 We scored. We 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 missed a few chances, and then uh, the, sec- the second half flipped on its head. In five minutes, Mozambique scored uh, two yeah. uh, two. Uh, to be honest, from our point of view, two terrible goals. We were so we were so open. We were so open, and it's it's um, what do you call it? It's so naive. It's yeah. so na- such naive defending. From a, 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 supposedly a team that wants to go to uh, to to to, uh, to win the tournament, and then we were relying on uh, to be all, to be a VAR penalty, which was mm. never a penalty to score in the final minute. And then when we go, when you when we were lose, when you finish the, the the game two two, 
against the the bottom seed of the 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 group, then you're you're only on the back foot because you still have to play Ghana and you have to play Cape Verde. Ghana was um, uh, 40 minutes in, uh, Salah went down, and then Salah is a whole different story. I'm not sure if you want to get into that because <laughs> Salah went yeah. down. Um, he was uh, injured. He left the game. Half of half of uh, Egypt think he's uh, he's uh, jumping ship. Okay, he doesn't want to continue the tournament. Sure, uh, he wants uh, to to go back to Liverpool to to continue the season there. To be honest, that uh, that's a uh, lot of bullshit, and that uh, I I I can't find any sense in that because mm. uh, when 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 Salah finishes the 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 season the, the his career, he wants to have a chapter in his autobiography saying. Egypt's national team. I did this and this and this. Yeah, sure. He, 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 he's there is a big difference between having being the best uh, uh, player in the in a country's history and being a best the best player in the national team's history. Because Salah, he, he he only has silver medals. He hasn't won anything with the, mm. with the, with the, with the, with the Egyptian national team. And it's obviously it's not his fault. He's uh, our shining light in, a, in an otherwise uh, dark. Uh, uh, dark uh, team, but uh, but uh, to be jumping ship isn't one of the theories I can I can uh, follow. What happened after that is um, playing I think the worst version of of Ghana in in years and drawing uh, two two all other players stepped up. Mustafa Hamad, who I think had a ter- uh, had an amazing tournament. Uh, to be honest, and he he finished second uh, second uh, top goal scorer. Mm. Um, if only the 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 scouts could follow us for a bit, uh, a few more games, then I think he would be a definite uh, Premier League uh, target. Leaving in the round of sixteen, I don't think gives him uh, much of a, a big chance to be in the shop window for long. Um, and then we go to Cape Verde. Cape Verde is like a do or die, uh, do or die game. Um, we I think we can we concede first, and yeah. then we we score. Two goals. A goal in the beginning yeah. of the second. Yeah, a goal in the beginning of the second half, and then score again. And then when we score, and then we're okay, we're, we 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 reach the the round of sixteen. They score at the second after. So I I said I said a few minutes ago that gave uh, ready. They when they wanted to turn it on, they turned it on again. Oh, I I remember I watched. I was watching the game with like twenty five people. I saw tears, tears going down when Cape Verde scored. But I remember, I because I listen, I always listen to the commentator. It's something I do. I'm not sure why, and a lot of people don't listen to the commentator. I heard him saying that uh, that Mozambique has scored the second goal against Ghana. So the quick calculations, I, I'm shit at math, but in football math, I'm amazing. The quick calculations <laughs> told me that okay, we're qualified. We're qualified. We go second in the group. Ghana threw away two goal lead. To be honest, I I I don't understand. How they did that, Chris Hutton. If anything is is to be put in his, his favor, is he's a good defense, good defensive coach. If you're winning two nil against Mozambique in the last five okay. minutes, then you go through. <laughs> but anyway, we made it through second of the group, not even third. We made it second of the group with three points. I think that's a, that's a miracle. You go to the second round, you play against uh, Congo. If you choose any any team who made it to the round of 16 to play against, you play against Congo. No disrespect to them. They have 27 players. 25 players are playing in. Um, in in Europe, one is playing in the top team in Egypt, and another I think is playing in South Africa. If I don't, if I remember correctly, our our shining light because Mohamed Salah is, is away. Our shining light is Mustafa Mohamed. He plays in France. Guess what? They have 20, 20, 21 players uh, players playing in France as well. So when you com- when you compare, you can't compare Egypt nowadays to the to the uh, the, the, the the other teams in in, in Congo because. Uh, 
because other teams in, in, in Africa, to be honest, because everyone plays in Europe. If you look, Jidechi, tell me how many players you have playing in Europe. I was watching the Nigeria game against uh, uh, against uh, South Africa in the... Uh, yeah, in the in the in the in the semis, and they were there. Yeah, yeah, they were they were they they. Uh, uh, Joe Aribo was uh, was out, and Enacho was in. I was texting my family. They casually have a player from Southampton going out, and another player from Leicester going in. We don't have that. We don't have that. We no, we only have shit local players going in. I don't remember if you watched the if you watched the if you watched the game. We have a one v one chance, and then the player. A player who was playing his first five minutes in the tournament. Don't ask me why he didn't play any game in the group stage. And then the coach threw him in uh, in the in the extra time of or, or like yeah the second half of extra time. And he's the it's the first time he's ever played in a tournament. He goes to one v one. He fell on his face obviously because the pressure came to him. In Egypt, we don't have we don't have fans since 2012. We don't have fans playing against thirty or forty thousand. Is, is that thing? In, in in front of millions, you're playing and you're, you're throwing him in the in the lines, then and and then uh, and then you read the the penalties. Okay, penalties is an equalizer. To be honest, there wasn't much difference between us and and Congo, but penalties is an equalizer. And the, in the last tournament, we won the round of sixteen on penalties. We won the quarterfinal on penalties, and we won the semifinals on penalties. So penalties is supposed to be our thing. And uh, not only that, but the the goalkeeper who got injured in the third game against Cape Verde was also injured last tournament and the goalkeeper that came in is the one that played in all the uh, with all the um, the penalty shootout and he's he's done amazing he had the bottle which had uh, like uh, left side right side in the middle for all the the opposition players he went 11 sides the wrong way 11 11 times the wrong way he played he always went to the to, to the to the right side not only that but he missed his penalty the goalkeeper missed the penalty so he was the hero last uh, tournament Going on talk shows and uh, and uh, <laughs> singing songs and uh, and uh, his uh, his uh, his uh, he got married in the last year as well and the marriage was like a Prince William marriage or a Prince uh, <laughs> Harry uh, uh, marriage and now his uh, his uh, public uh, his public enemy number one and not only that but there was a, like a, a a clip or like a screenshot of him looking at his. Uh, uh, the, the bottle. It said that I think it was uh, Congo's number eleven or mm. number seven. I don't remember. It's, it says that he shoots on the left side. He went on the right side, and the player shot it on the left side. Left so side. I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why he he, he did that. So everything everything uh, everything in the tournament that could go wrong actually uh, actually went wrong. And the 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 coach went. Uh, because of social media, the 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 the, the Egyptian Federation said, "Okay, guys, we're 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 now we're negotiating with a new foreign coach." Everyone thought that it's heavier and heavier and Obviously, I don't need to speak about them. One to mm-hmm. African Cup of Nations with, with Zambia, Ivory Coast, and uh, played with uh, a good World Cup tournament with uh, with uh, Saudi Arabia, and then. 48 hours later, we, we just signed uh, Hossam Hassan, who's, uh, who's uh, Egyptian. He's actually one of the legends of Egyptian football. He's the all-time top scorer of the national team. Uh, people love him, and that's why I think we we, we got him. He's uh, sort of an old-school coach. Uh, um, like uh, he, sh- he shouts, he's always shouting at players. He's always like breaking stuff. He's, he, he doesn't uh, go well with the, with this generation type of players, but this is maybe maybe this is what uh, this generation needs something like a fire uh, fireworks up uh, their backsides. But 
to be honest, I don't think the problem was with the coach, as I said before. The problem isn't the coach. The problem isn't the, uh, the new coach. The problem isn't the, the old coach. The problem is with the the planning, the 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 proper infrastructure that we don't have. Teams like Mauritania and Cape Verde have 12-year projects. We can't go through the, the, the two-year project we gave to uh, to uh, to uh, Rui Vitoria. As I said in the last uh, in the last time we spoke, a, tour, a project ends when the tournament uh, when when we lose in a, in a, in a, in a early stage in a tournament. Now a new new project uh, starts, and the only the project is only based off having a, a coach that uh, that uh, people uh, people like. And guess what? I don't think he'll do well in uh, in the next tournament either because. Uh, it's uh, the problem isn't the the the, the chef. The problem is the, the actual ingredients. You, you can't give the chef shit ingredients and and expect him to bake a a, a, a nice cake. You uh, the, the cake is always going to be shit. So uh, so so it's, the problem is with the actual infrastructure in in in, uh, in Egyptian football. You need to have uh, um, better coaching at uh, at youth levels. You need to be in, investing properly in in the younger national team. We had the the, the second oldest team in the tournament. In the next, in the the World Cup in twenty six, if we do make it, Salah will be thirty three, Nani will be thirty three, Chesigay will be thirty three, Mustafa will be twenty eight, and he'll be the youngster of the of the tournament. Hagazi will be thirty five or thirty six. Uh, our goalkeeper Shinawi will be thirty five or thirty six. What is that? Where, where is the planning? If we if we had the proper plan towards the twenty twenty six tournament, then we then we should have the coach alongside the federation, alongside the technical director of the of uh, the federation. Should have had a plan telling him, okay, we have these uh, these players coming through. We reached the final of the of the under twenty three African Cup of Nation. That's that's success in my book. So we have some of these players should have made it to the uh, um, to to the squad. Even if they're they're not playing, you can have two or th- you have twenty seven players in the in the squad, and you actually had in Egypt you had three or four players who haven't played. These four three or four players could have been players from uh, the Olympic. Uh, uh, Olympic national team, and um, they sh- could have had tournament experience, even if playing minutes here or there, play, just going around and 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 traveling with the group, because these are the ones who are going to be relying on in the next tournament. You can't just throw them in. Uh, and again, the, the 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 dragons. Then this time, the last time is dragons. Then this time is the dragons. Then and and uh, and expecting them to uh, to expecting them to to uh, to shine. They'll always be surprised. They will always be shocked. Because they, they they don't have uh, previous previous uh, experience, positive or negative. The first time they play in front of fans is uh, is in the in the actual tournament. The, the first time they go to play in the, the very high degrees of humidity, which everyone has spoken about in in Ivory Coast, is going to be in the tournament. So uh, where 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 is the planning? So. Um, this uh, no, let's 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 see what happens in the in the in the few next few uh, qualifying games and 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 friendly games. But uh, I'm, po- I'm not. Stay positive, Stay positive. Stay positive. Stay positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need uh, we need the revamp of the of, of the football uh, structure. Everyone's trying to scapegoat Salah now. For the for the injury, it's not his fault. He's, he's injured. No, right. Maybe a lot of people. Maybe a lot of people are speaking about him leaving to go back to 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 um, to uh, 
what you call dual recovery in in, oh, in Liverpool. Liverpool. Mm. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, even with that, we haven't had proper communication from our federation. The first uh, news we heard was the club in his press press conference saying a, a, a yeah. throwaway comment, which turned the, into uh, a house of, uh, of of fire. And now uh, Egyptians hate the club. Egyptians hate uh, our skateboarding. Uh, uh, yeah. Salah and we're not happy with our football federation so I'm not sure where is the, the positive in the in this triangle there Liverpool is like our second everyone's second team in in, in, Egypt, in Egypt but whenever uh, whenever Salah plays next I don't think uh, uh, there'll be a lot of uh, supporters so uh, we'll see we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens next we, today we've heard from Omar and how positive he is about the future of Egypt going towards the next <laughs> World Cup, right? <laughs> Tell me, what do you think about Nigeria's chances of going into uh, 2026 and how they're placed? Um, I think we just officially entered the toughest stage for Nigeria um, because there's this thing about Nigerian patience. We are very patient people. Like, <laughs> we want, you, we and want... Ev- you and everyone else. We were, well, I, I think maybe it's not a Nigerian thing, but I want to imagine if everybody is impatient. Just imagine Nigerians are slightly a bit above that. Um, we want we want that success as soon as possible. And many times we forget you have to build, um, which is almost similar to what Omar just said about Egypt, because uh, you, you, you don't want to just tear down. Um, and I'll give you this. After the Women's World Cup, where Nigeria uh, played so well, there was the conversation about what should happen to the coach, should they... And I literally just watched Nigeria perform at one of their bests at a Women's World Cup. As much as I wasn't a fan of the coach, I felt, yes, this coach should stay. Let me let you know that right now the conversation is currently ongoing. Um, a lot of couple of people have already said, based on what they watched in the final, the coach should go. To be very honest, I think it's a fair call to be making because... We just watched a team that most of us, if we are honest to ourselves, did not give this team a chance to get to the stage that they were. Yes, they, they've not really impressed along the line, um, but somehow they did it. I mean, yesterday we saw Jose Mourinho talking about how Jose Pesero. I Personally, I knew that they had worked together in the past, but I didn't even know he was a very close friend of um, Jose Mourinho. So you can understand the ideology uh, where two of them are the kind of player uh, coaches that play what you call haram football, score a goal and defend with your life. So you can understand. Now we know that. Now I expect to see Nigeria play more that kind of goal. But the point is, you started something fine. How about you keep up with um, this type of thing? Give the coach an extension. Allow him, because his contract actually expires with this Afcon, um, allow him to stay perhaps two to three more years. There's the World Cup coming up very soon. There's the World Cup qualifiers. We've been in this situation before where we made a huge mistake. I wasn't a fan of the former coach, um, who's um, Gennot Raw, that was sacked just before the last half con. And we went to the last half con. We saw how that backfired really bad. I was one of the persons who really wanted that man to go because he kind of didn't play the, the football that we as Nigerians identify with. And um, it backfired. We don't we don't want to be there anymore. So keep this coach, convince the players that things can be the, this atmosphere can be better for them to walk in. And I'm very much sure that if we can get that happen, Nigeria perhaps should be a team to look out for at both the next outcome and both the next World Cup. The 
the qualifiers are just closed by. Come on. You don't want to be talking about a new coach and a new system when you have qualifiers to literally think about. You saw what the minnows in African football could do at this point. What makes you think they don't want to try their luck a little bit further and see if they can qualify for the next World Cup? So, yes, try to keep a crop of the team or most of the team. See if you can infuse. I mean, we have quite a lot of decent players performing um, uh, we have outside the shores of Nigeria, you see the likes of um, Barry Chiesi, who has still remained on cap for England. See if we can poach some of those players with a mix of um, some players on the local scene, because a huge conversation before the outcome was the fact that we couldn't infuse players from the local leagues to the national team. And eventually we could see Stanley Wabali, who was not really considered when he was playing in Nigeria, came into the national team setup. Um, just because he literally just moved from Nigeria to South Africa and he suddenly has become our new number one. So that should tell you that there are a couple of players you could still look at in the national team that um, in the local scene that could actually add to what we have in the national team. So do a little bit of that between this period that we just finished the Afcon and when the qualifiers will start. And I'm very sure that uh, we would have a very decent to look forward to ahead of the next um, tournaments that are coming up very soon. Yeah, because unlike what Omar was talking about with Egypt, this Nigerian team, there's only one player over 30 that went to this AFCON. So do you see this team sticking together for the next two uh, or three years? Yeah, I actually do. Uh, just this morning, there was there are reports from Nigeria's camp that was suggesting a couple of players are considering retirement. And when I mean a couple of players, um, a lot of people would say Ahmed Musa considering he's um, possibly the oldest player in the team. But I mean, the reports from some of the journalists that uh in uh, Ivory Coast at the moment are saying some of the players considering retirement are players under 30. Why? <laughs> Why would you be... <laughs> wanting to allow players that are under 30 to be retiring from a team that was very decent. There's no reason why this should be happening. Um, Get the most players, the most bulk crop of the players to stay. Convince them. I, perhaps I think the reason this would be happening is because many of them are disappointed. Um, But there's, there's really no reason for this. Uh, most of these players should be convinced to stick around. There's a lot to achieve. Um, with, with the, the very big case of players who considered retired, in fact, retired. I mean, we all know of Messi who retired at that in 2015 World Cup, uh, had to come back and how did it end for him? So um, let these players know that this is not the end. There's a lot to achieve. Football does not end. We would still have lots and lots of competitions to play. There are still a lot um, to go down. So the fact you, uh, you couldn't achieve this this time around does not mean you can't go to the next tournament and achieve it. So, come on. Um, there's no reason for anybody to be retired anytime soon. We have we have a good um, caliber of players and I expect them to stick around and try to achieve something for Nigeria. Question for both of you just before we wrap this up for you. And thank you very much for your time. Both of you have been very generous with it and we thank you for your contribution to the podcast during AFCON because it's been, you know, before and after AFCON, it's been brilliant. Okay. Uh, Goal of the tournament for you, each of you, player of the tournament for each of you, and the highlight moment of the tournament for each of you. Let me let Omar start. Okay. Um, I need to think of more more of the of the, the the goal of of now 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 I remember it. the goal of the tournament the was Mali against uh, Ivory Coast for a corner. I uh, I'm not sure the the name of the player who scored it was 
12 goals just outside, like uh, a few meters outside the, the penalty box. Um, Mali's goal? Uh, and just, uh, yeah, Mali's goal, yeah. Dorgelis, right yeah. In the corner. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good goal. Uh, for the player of the tournament was, one, I think it's one of two players. One player who, who a lot of people spoke about was uh, Adingra, mm-hmm. the, who actually got, I think he got young player of the tournament. He has a, he's, he's a top player. We, we yeah. I don't think we need to speak about him. But the player who, when I've watched, has always had that presence was Frank Kessi, Ivory Coast player. He's such a presence. He's such a presence. When you, when you, when you talk about players playing for Milan and Barcelona, I think he now plays in, in Qatar or, or, or UAE. I'm not sure, to be honest, where he plays now. But he's such a, um, a leading figure in the midfield. He's, uh, he has good quality in terms of his passing and very aggressive when he doesn't have the ball. So uh, I think he's uh, an, an all-rounder, and he's pushed Ivory Coast to uh, to where they were, uh, where they where they are now, almost uh, the, the, almost uh, leaving the tournament and saying bye. Now uh, having the trophy in his hands, I think he's uh, he's uh, one of the the, the main um, factors of um, Ivory Coast doing what they've done. Um, what are you saying? Highlight of a tournament or like a moment of the tournament? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the, a, a, a negative moment of the tournament for me. I know it's, uh, <laughs> a negative moment of the tournament for me is uh, is um, is um, the Egyptian goalkeeper uh, missing the, the the penalty in the round of sixteen. I think it just encapsulates the, the ill preparation of the tournament. Uh, you know, the, the we we were ten players on the pitch at the time because mm. we had the, a red card. Yeah. Um, the the goalkeeper was the ninth player who, who to take a shot. There was only one player after him. His name is uh, by coincidence Mohamed Lashin. Same as my second name. I sure. have nothing to do with him. I I don't want anything to do with him to be honest. Because <laughs> uh, uh, the coach put him in the last three or four minutes of this of the of extra time to take a penalty. What he what the coach didn't know was uh, he missed a penalty in the final last year and. And all talk shows or anything, like any time he was he's asked, he said, this was the last penalty I ever take. I don't want to have that feeling again. I won't take a penalty. So, um, uh, although he takes he takes them well, but obviously the hurt of missing a penalty in the final against Senegal in 2022 or AFCON 2021 um, made them decide that he will never take a penalty again. Fate uh, um, put the situation... Or, or, or gave us a situation where we had to, uh, we had like nine players take uh, take a penalty because uh, both goalkeepers didn't uh, make a they didn't make a save. So we had to reach that point, and the goalkeeper, and when it was the time for Mohamed Dashim to take the penalty, uh, he said, "I won't take it," just like in front of everyone. And then the goalkeeper said, "Okay," he put his hand up and he said, "Okay, I'll shoot it now," and uh, he missed it. So uh, not only having the l- lack of preparation to know which players take penalties or not, are um, uh, your goalkeeper who's uh, going from uh, the highest of highs to the lowest of lows miss and not saving, uh, not saving uh, ten. Penalties um, and 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 going out like that after like all Egyptians were happy to to, to reach penalties against Congo because of the the like the good uh, quality penalty shootouts we had in the last uh, tournament and um, then uh, leaving like that so I think this just encapsulates uh, where Egypt are at the moment 
and uh, let's see what uh, happens in the future. Sorry to put it, uh, to, to have the, the, the moment of the tournament at the... Hey, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. That's how I feel about the... the that's uh, how I feel about the... Egypt in this tournament, other than having like a good quality tournament all around, to be honest. Zidaichi, go. Okay. Um, you, well, good on the tournament. I, I was really raking my head, but I just remembered one goal that whenever I think of it, whenever I watch it, I cannot stop watching it. Mabululu. Yes. Mabululu's goal against, um, I forgot who he scored. Uh, that, that goal, that was the round of 16. Has yep. to be the round of sixteen. Yeah, before 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 the mid- Namibia. Namibia, yeah. Yep. goal was Mabulu's goal for Angola was something out of this world. I mean, we saw a lot of long range attempts, but the technique in that goal, every time I watch it, I can't get enough of it. So I think for me, it has to be my goal of the tournament. Um, best player of the tournament for me remains on chain. William Trusta Kong was everything for Nigeria was not just defending, was scoring, stepping up, pressure penalties, scoring. It's It became a thing where the moment Nigeria had a penalty and you saw it was Tristan Kong, you were already setting, you were good that this man was going to score. So for a captain to be um, commanding that kind of presence and he's a defender, Scoring in the final, come on! I think it's it was well deserved that Tristan yeah. um, Kong was a player of the tournament. So that that for me remained unchanged. My highlight moment of this outcome actually would be the night that Egypt qualified and Ghana knocked out. Ghana got knocked out. That and Ivory, the, and, uh, and and sorry to cut you off there. Stage. Ivory the Coast, that, Ivory, no, but Ivory Coast as a result of that draw with Mozambique. Sorry, I didn't o- get it. Ivory Coast as a result. So Cote d'Ivoire, yeah. with, as a result of yeah, that, yeah, yeah, as yeah. Big, get got to get through. I mean, yeah. I, I I was like, and you, of course, I don't know if you know about the the love hate relationship between Nigeria and Ghanaians. Um, there's this, there's always that feeling towards <laughs> banter each other. Out. So for me, it was a case of, damn, Ghana are not going to make this. <laughs> and on side, so it, I I I I and funny enough, I didn't see I didn't see the other match in that night. I was just. Check and refreshing um, the life scores. Ghana just conceded one. Ghana, we are looking so good to qualify. And mm. the next thing you know, Egypt are leading. Before you can say Jack, Ghana have thrown away two goals. I was like, what just happened here? Like, what is this? And then it looked like it seemed that, I mean, it, it, it suddenly went from Ghana that was like first in the group and could qualify. We are suddenly like third. Mozambique from no like I, I was like no no what's what's what really is going on here? and it was so good that I was so caught up in emotions of wow Ghana are not qualifying we are going to have the time of our lives on social media this night that I totally did not even realize that Egypt ended up, ended up not winning that game I was so shocked later wow Egypt eventually still considered a late goal against Mozambique so yeah that night was that night was it, the emotions was electric. I couldn't. I really couldn't describe the fact that Ghana went from um, being a team that could qualify to being a team that Nigerians as a whole could have the time of their lives truly. Yeah, that that that, that was that was a memorable night for me as a Nigerian. Oh, <laughs> uh, great! It was that's good to hear your goals and your highlights and your plays of the tournament. If Afcon has been this version of Afcon has just been. Absolutely nuts. Uh, 
It's been incredible. And we've had the pleasure of actually watching both the Asian Cup and this tournament as well. And it's uh, it, it's been a hell of a month for football, I can tell you. Very international football. Definitely a hell of a month, definitely. Yeah, it, it, it has been. Uh, in national team football has people wait for the tournaments. People don't like the friendlies. People don't like the qualifiers. So having two tournaments at once uh, has been a treat for uh, for a football fans, for happy football fans, especially people from outside of uh, Africa and outside of Asia who like to watch the 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 what do you call it the behind the scenes games, the, the underground games, or for teams who aren't actually uh, that uh, well known, they've had a blast over the past uh, few months, uh, over the past couple of months, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's been a lot of fun and following the tournaments, and so has this pod. It's been a lot of fun having you guys on and to recap all the uh, the wonderful highlights and lowlights from this AFCON <laughs> 2023. Omar Lachine, thank you very much. Gideche Chidieze, thank you as well. And Amazing. it's been a lot Thank of you. fun. We greatly appreciate your time and uh, coming on the podcast all the way in uh, Sydney, Australia. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolute pleasure to do this guys. Thanks, guys. Look forward to talking in the future. Nathan, like we said, an amazing final, but it's time for us to recap just quickly what we thought our goals of the tournaments were or the goals of the tournament were, respectively, uh, our player of the tournament and our highlight of the tournament, and then we'll cover cover off a potential 11 of the tournament, if we can agree. Mm, yeah, I think there's a whole host of players that deserve to be in an 11, mm-hmm. uh, but let's, let's start with player of the tournament. You want to start with player of the tournament? Let's do it. Okay, I am going to go with Simona Dingra from Ivory Coast. Yeah, I mean, he was so lively in the back end of this tournament in particular, particularly in the final. Like, he is a wonderful young talent. Picked up best young player at the tournament, officially. I look forward to him going to Chelsea for $100 million in a few years' time. <laughs> more than likely, more than likely. Uh, but no, I can't um, argue with you over the, the choice of Simona Dingra. A, a wonderful talent he is. Um, I do have... An alternative, okay. The throw up, I think. Trista Kong, yeah, good shot. Did get the golden ball. I think it's justified the choice. Mm. Uh, Williams, a South African goalkeeper, should be in the mix here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be. Could um, be. But yes, for me, it is Trista Kong. Yep. No, that's fair enough. That's a really good shout, actually. Really good shout. Goal of the tournament. I want to say Zambia's opener against the DR Congo back on back in the group stages. Okay. <laughs> if you remember it. Oh, yes, I do. Funnily enough. <laughs> Funnily enough, I do. Well, look. Uh, for for the uh, for the comical nature of it, keeper rushing out, collects, almost collects a attacker, ball goes out for a throw in, and then there's a big long looping effort from outside the box to put it in the goal. Very funny. Uh, very funny goal. But uh, for a serious goal, uh, it's not going to be a uh, popular Goal with uh, mm-hmm. one of our guests, but uh, I am going to go for um, Kudos's first goal against Egypt. Yep. Just a rocket into the bottom corner from some distance as well. Yep. I'm going to go Cape Verde's goal, third goal against Mozambique with Pina. <laughs> yep. Not uh, one of the free kicks. Not one of the, not their well, best free kicks. 45, 50, 100 um, yards out. <laughs> the keeper was to blame for that, though. I mean, it's a, hey, it's a great hit from the yeah, same it game. It's a great hit, right? 
uh, Bebe's free kick that uh, you're talking about there, but I'm going to go with Pinya's uh, goal. I think that was the goal of the tournament, although there's some great goals in this tournament. I have to say. Oh, yeah. And you can pick one for the moments as well. Yeah. Well, one of them is my moment of the mm. tournament, a highlight of the tournament. Uh, my highlight of the tournament, Nathan, was um, Ivory Coast's winner against Mali. Yeah. Yep. You know, 100 injury stoppage time or injury time of extra time. You know, um, second minute of injury time in in extra time, and just what Diakiti's goal meant for Ivory Coast and the reaction in the stadium and the I mean it was just a flick, but you know off Fafana's uh, shot, but nevertheless, it's just an incredible moment for Ivory Coast. Also, bearing in mind that they had a you know they were basically effectively played a full match, the equivalent of a full match with ten men. Mm, yep, right because they they had. Um, the player sent off uh, by the 30th minute in. So just an incredible feat. Uh, and to be 1-0 behind, right, to fall like behind 1-0 in the 71st minute and then go ahead and score two goals, like one goal to take the extra time and then to be be victors at the end of extra time and not have to rely on penalties. Mm. You know, in- incredible feat. And that's where the moment where somebody thought, okay, there's something special happening here. The, the momentum is... With Ivory Coast, they've knocked out the you know the whole story around the Ivory Coast as well. It's just nuts, <laughs> but with a coach being sacked too. I mean, let's add that to mm. the mix. Right? Yeah, but with regard to um, with regards to just making it in to the round of sixteen, knocking over the defending champions, then you have this court, amazing quarterfinal against Mali, you know, and then Hale's goal in the semi final against Doctor Congo or the Democratic Republic of Congo. <laughs> And um, and Hilaire winning, scoring the winner in the final. Just, you know, each moment on top of each moment, just incredible chain of events. Yeah, and there's so many moments to pick out. We could be talking about moments from this AFCON for another half an hour. There's so many to rattle off and go into and so many memories with this tournament. You've mentioned a lot of the ones surrounding the hosts and the Ivory Coast. Uh, so I will go another way. I did have... Sebastian Allaire's winner in the final as my moment of the tournament, given his personal history mm-hmm. and everything that's happened with Ivory Coast at this tournament. Uh, other wonderful moments, uh, of course, I should mention the uh, B in sports Arabic commentary. With, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Samina Amina Ee. <laughs> yes, that's the one. <laughs> um, at the same time, Roman Williams in the penalty shootout, saving four penalties. I'd also like to say Guinea's winner against Equatorial Guinea, mm. which was the last kick of the game back in the round of 16. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's yeah, so that was many. An incredible moment. Incredible moment. Mm. Should we try and come up with an 11? We can try. Okay. Let's go Williams <laughs> in goal, yeah? Yeah, yes. Okay, so Williams <laughs> in South Africa as goalkeeper. Um, special mention to Stanley Wabali as well, I think. Yeah, very but, very unfortunate not to get into this team, Nwabali. <laughs> um, centre half William Trustekong from Nigeria, yes, yes. and hmm. Calvin Bassey. Yeah, let's do that. Yes, yeah, no, I think that that that's good pairing. I agree. Left back, I'm going to go with um, Dr Conga Masawaku. Masawaku. He's who I had in mind as well, Les. There you go. Scary, isn't it? Mm. Right back was a tricky one. It was. Oh, four at it the back. was. Yes. Aina, Nigeria. Yeah, very good. Very good. I'm tempted to suggest Hakimi 
Yep. No, that's a good Coming up with some goals. Not that Morocco went anywhere near deep in the final. I, th- I think I th- it's a good shout, but I don't think that they went deep enough. No. Also, Hamari Traore mm. is a shout for this position as well. Sure. Sure. No, I agree. Agree. Uh, midfield. <laughs> Defensive midfield's a tricky one here. Mm. I reckon there's a shout for Bassi, right? But uh, that's on Yako as well. Like, it's really a toss of the coin there. Yeah, it is. I think Kessie, yes. We probably right. have to have him there. Number eight, Mokoena from South Africa. Yep. Happy with that. Miss penalties aside. Yeah, miss penalties <laughs> aside. Miss penalties aside. Um, so yeah, let's go with yeah, let's go with Mokoena, right? As a midfielder. Um, we'll go with uh could we put both on could we put Kessie and Onyeka in there? All right, I think we can that's go three three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good shout. Okay. So let's go to on the left. There's got to be one standout here on the left from Nigeria. Adam Lookman. Yeah. Has to be. Has yep. to be. Yep. Up front, <laughs> striker. Do we go with Insway? Yeah, we have to have golden, the top. Golden boot. We have to have him in, don't we? Yep. <laughs> I agree. I agree. On the right. See, on the mm. right is a tricky one. It is because there's a lot of options here. Like, can you stick Gelson Dahler out there? Yeah, you could. You could. Can you put Sadio Mane in this team? Maybe not. Went out too not early. A, yeah, wait. I think they've gone out too early. Yep. This one's a tricky one. This is probably the hardest mm-hmm. position to fill, actually, I think. Wissa? Um, yes. Yeah. Can we, put, can we put a dinger on the right? We can. We can. It's just that he wasn't all that prominent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's hard to get past Lookman. I mean, Lookman... Yeah. Does appear on the right as well from time to time. Yeah. All right. Either let's way, just so over. Let's <laughs> left, move Lookman over to the right, a dinger on the left, and Emilio and Sway from Equatorial Guinea as the striker, which is just really ridiculous, really. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. It's crazy. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. And he scored goals against both finalists here. Yeah. And just, <laughs> just reflects the craziness of this tournament and the fact that. Hey, look, think about it, though. Equatorial Guinea won this group. Yeah. <laughs> they won the group that these two teams were in. Another layer. Mm. But, uh, Nathan, that brings an end to, like, our international football sojourn for the last month. That it does. It's been so much fun covering off this tournament and the Asian Cup, and it's been uh, some long nights. And a lot of talking between you and me over the course mm-hmm. of the last month. Uh, yep. Many pods, have, many pods have gone out. Yes, they have. And thank and, you very uh, much for that. No, and, and thank you as well. And thank you for um, for suggesting that we do this. It was, you know, really, it was your at your suggestion. We said, yeah, let's do it. And mm. what what an absolute joy it has been. Because we were in it. two minds about doing AFCON. We were always going to do the Asian Cup, but there was a, a question mark whether we would cover the African Cup of Nations as, as closely as we have done this tournament. And boy, am I glad we went with the yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, yes, hopefully, well, we are considering doing the Euro and um, Copa America middle of the year all going well. So, do it all again. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll do it all again at the, at the risk of our own individual health, but that's all right. Now, if somebody wants to sponsor us and actually send us <clears> over <throat> to one of those tournaments, that's that's fine. Happy for it. Putting it out there, manifesting. Mm, so, yes. indeed. Uh, yes. Do send through your proposals. <laughs> yes. Happy to go stateside or happy to go to, to Germany, whichever way. 
Mm. But Les, so. it's been a lot of fun. This podcast has been a lot of fun. Thank you again to Judecha Chidieze and Omar Lashin from Nigeria and Egypt, respectively. Commiserations to them both once more. Uh, one getting to the final and falling short of the final hurdle, unfortunately. But and Egypt crashing out very disappointingly early doors. Uh, we heard from Omar, Omar Lashin on uh, his thoughts on the Egyptian football at the moment. Uh, a lot of work to be done. But Les, thank you for all you've given over the past month. It's been uh, a lot of content, a lot of things have been asked. And uh, yes, you've been wonderful. And uh, thank you, listener, for checking out this pod and all the others over the past month. Uh, we greatly appreciate uh, your ears. And uh, stay tuned for regular Backpack episodes in the uh, weeks to come. Thank you, Nathan, for everything that you do. Uh, it's been an incredible month. Thank you to all the listeners. Thanks to everyone for their interaction and their comments. And thanks again to Omar and Jadechi. And enjoy the football, guys. Look forward to joining you on the Backpeg Ordinary Mainline Series very soon. Mm-hmm.